0: Chapters twenty three and twenty four of Lena Rivers by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twenty three The Letter and Its Effect Mabel had gone out, and Lena sat alone in the little room adjoining the parlor which Mr. Douglas termed his library, but which Nellie had fitted up for a private sewing room. It was Lena's favorite resort when she wished to be alone, and as Mabel was this morning absent, she had retired thither, not to work, but to think to recall every word and look of durward's to wonder when and how he would repeat the question the answer to which had been prevented by mr graham many and blissful were her emotions as she sat there wondering if it were not a bright dream from which she would too soon awaken for could it be that one so noble so good and so much sought for as durward belmont had chosen her of all others to be his bride yes it must be so for he was not one to say or act what he did not mean he would come that day and repeat what he had said before and she blushed as she thought what her answer would be there was a knock on the door and a servant entered bringing her a letter which she eagerly seized thinking it was from him but twas not his writing though bearing the postmark of Versailles. hastily she broke the seal and glancing at the signature turned pale for it was lucy graham his mother who had written but for what she could not guess a moment more and she fell back on the sofa white and rigid as a piece of marble twas a cruel and insulting letter containing many dark insinuations which she being wholly innocent could not understand she knew indeed that mr graham had presented her with vesta but was there anything wrong in that she did not think so else she had never taken her her uncle her cousin and durward all three approved of her accepting it the latter coming with it himself so it could not be that and for a long time lena wept passionately resolving one moment to answer the letter as it deserved determining the next to go herself and see mrs graham face to face and then concluding to treat it with silent contempt trusting that derward would ere long appear and make it all plain between them at last about five o'clock mabel returned bringing the intelligence that mrs graham was in the city at the weisiger house where she was going to remain until the morrow she had met with an accident which prevented her arrival in Frankfort until the train which she was desirous of taking had left. Is her husband with her? asked Lena. To which Mabel replied that she understood she was alone. Then I'll see her and know what she means, thought Lena, trembling even then at the idea of venturing into the presence of the cold, haughty woman supper was over at the weisiger house and in a handsome private parlour mrs graham lay half asleep upon the sofa while in the dressing-room adjoining durward sat trying to frame a letter which should tell poor lina that their intimacy was for ever at an end for hours and until the last gleam of daylight had faded away he had sat by the window watching each youthful form which passed up and down the busy street hoping to catch a glimpse of her who had once made his world but his watch was in vain and now he had sat down to write throwing aside sheet after sheet as he thought its beginning too cold too harsh or too affectionate he was about making up his mind not to write at all but to let matters take their course when a knock at his mother's door and the announcement that a lady wished to see her arrested his attention somebody want to see me just show her up said mrs graham smoothing down her flaxen hair and wiping from between her eyes a spot of powder which the opposite mirror revealed in a moment the visitor entered a slight girlish form whose features were partially hidden from view by a heavy lace veil which was thrown over her satin hood a single glance convinced mrs graham that it was a lady a well-bred lady who stood before her and very politely she bade her be seated rather haughtily the preferred chair was declined while the veil was thrown aside disclosing to the astonished gaze of mrs graham the face of lena rivers which was unnaturally pale while her dark eyes grew darker with the intensity of her feelings lena rivers why came you here she asked while at the mention of that name durward started to his feet but quickly resumed his seat listening with indescribable emotions to the sound of a voice which made every nerve quiver with pain you ask me why i am here madam said Lena. i came to seek an explanation from you to know of what i am accused to ask you why you wrote me that insulting letter me an orphan girl alone and unprotected in the world and who never knowingly harmed you or yours never harmed me or mine scornfully repeated mrs graham don't add falsehood to your other sins though if you'll lie to my son you of course will to me his mother Explain yourself, madam, if you please, exclaimed Lena, her old temper beginning to get the advantage of her. And what if I do not please? sneeringly asked Mrs. Graham. Then I will compel you to do so, for my good name is all I have, and it shall not be wrested from me without an effort on my part to preserve it, answered Lena. Perhaps you expect my husband to stand by you and help you. I am sure it would be very ungentlemanly in him to desert you now said Mrs. Graham, her manner conveying far more meaning than her words. Lena trembled from head to foot, and her voice was hardly distinct as she replied. Will you explain yourself, or will you not? What have I done that you should treat me thus? Done? Done enough, I should think. Haven't you wiled him away from me with your artful manners? Has he ever been the same man since he saw you? Hasn't he talked of you in his sleep? made you most valuable presents which a true woman would have refused and in return haven't you bestowed upon him your daguerreotype together with a lock of your hair on which you no doubt pride yourself but which to me and my son seem like so many coiling serpents Lena had sat down she could stand no longer and burying her face in her hands she waited until mrs graham had finished then lifting up her head she replied in a voice far more husky than the one in which she before had spoken you accuse me wrongfully mrs graham for as i hope for heaven i never entertained a feeling for your husband which i would not have done for my own father and indeed he has seemed to me more like a parent than a friend because you fancied he might some day be one i dare say interrupted mrs graham Lena paid no attention to this sarcastic remark but continued i know i accepted vesta but i never dreamed it was wrong and if it was i will make amends by immediately returning her for much as i love her i shall never use her again but the daguerreotype interrupted mrs graham anxious to reach that point what have you to say about the daguerreotype perhaps you will presume to deny that too durward had arisen and now in the doorway watched lena whose dark brown eyes flashed fire as she answered it is false, madam, you know it is false. I never yet have had my picture taken. But he has it in his possession. How do you account for that? Again I repeat that it is false, said Lena, while Mrs. Graham, strengthened by the presence of her son, answered, I can prove it, miss. I defy you to do so, said Lena, strong in her own innocence. Shall I show it to her, Durward? Asked Mrs. Graham, and Lena, turning suddenly round, became for the first time conscious of his presence. With a cry of anguish, she stretched her arms imploringly toward him, asking him in piteous tones to save her from his mother. Durward would almost have laid down his life to prove her innocent, but he felt that could not be. So he made her no reply, and in his eyes she read that he too was deceived. With a low, wailing moan, she again covered her face with her hands while Mrs. Graham repeated her question shall i show it to her durward was not aware that she had it in her possession and he answered why do you ask when you know you cannot do so oh how joyfully lena started up he did not believe it after all and if ever a look was expressive of gratitude that was which she gave to durward who returned her no answering glance save one of pity and again that wailing cry smote painfully on his ear taking the case from her pocket mrs graham advanced toward lena saying here see for yourself and then deny if you can but lena had no power to take it her faculties seemed benumbed and durward who with folded arms and clouded brows stood leaning against the mantel construed her hesitation into guilt which dreaded to be convicted why don't you take it persisted mrs graham you defied me to prove it and here it is I found it in my husband's private drawer, together with one of those long curls which last I burned out of my sight. Durward shuddered, while Lena involuntarily thought of the mass of wavy tresses which they had told her clustered around her mother's face as she lay in her narrow coffin. Why thought she of her mother then? Was it because they were so strangely alike, that any allusion to her own personal appearance always reminded her of her lost parent? Perhaps so. But to return to our story, Lena would have sworn that the likeness was not hers, and still an undefined dread crept over her, preventing her from moving. You seem to be unwilling to be convinced. Allow me to assist you, said Mrs. Graham, at the same time unclasping the case and holding to view the picture, on which, with wondering eyes, Lena gazed in astonishment. It is I. It is. But, oh, heaven, how came he by it? she gasped and the next moment she fell fainting at durward's feet in an instant he was bending over her his mother exclaiming pray don't touch her she does it for effect but he knew better he knew there was no feigning the corpse-like pallor of that face and pushing his mother aside he took the unconscious girl in his arms and bearing her to the sofa laid her gently upon it removing her hat and smoothing back from her cold brow the thick clustering curls which his mother had designated as coiling serpents do not ring and expose her to the idle gaze of servants said he to his mother who had seized the bell-rope bring some water from your bedroom and we will take charge of her ourselves there was something commanding in the tones of his voice and mrs graham now really alarmed at the deathly appearance of lena hastened to obey when he was alone Derward bent down imprinting upon the white lips a burning kiss the first he had ever given her in his heart he believed her unworthy of his love and yet she had never seemed one-half so dear to him as at that moment when she lay there before him helpless as an infant and all unmindful of the caresses which he lavished upon her if it were indeed death he thought and it had come upon her while yet she was innocent i could have borne it but now i would i had never seen her and the tears which fell like rain upon her cheek were not unworthy of the strong man who shed them The cold water, which they profusely bathed her face and neck with, restored her, and then Durwood, who could bear the scene, no longer glided silently into the next room. When he was gone, Mrs. Graham, who seemed bent upon tormenting Lena, asked, "'What she thought about it now?' "'Please don't speak to me again, for I am very, very wretched,' said Lena softly, while Mrs. Graham continued. "'Have you nothing to offer in explanation?' "'Nothing, nothing.' it is a dark mystery to me and i wish that i was dead answered lena sobbing passionately better wish to live and repent said mrs graham beginning to read her a long sermon on her duty to which lena paid no attention and the moment she felt she could walk she rose to go the moon was shining brightly and as mr douglas lived not far away mrs graham did not deem an escort necessary but durward thought differently He could not walk with her side by side, as he had often done before, but he would follow at a distance to see that no harm came to her. There was no danger of his being discovered, for Lena was too much absorbed in her own wretchedness to heed aught about her, and in silence he walked behind her until he saw the door of Mr. Douglas's house close upon her. Then, feeling that there was an inseparable barrier between them, he returned to his hotel, where he found his mother exulting over the downfall of one whom, for some reason, she had always disliked didn't she look confounded though when i showed her the picture said she to which durward replied by asking when and why she sent the letter i did it because i was a mind to and i am not sorry for it either was mrs graham's crusty answer whereupon the conversation was dropped and as if by a tacit agreement the subject was not again resumed during their stay in louisville it would be impossible to describe lena's emotions as she returned to the house twice in the hall was she obliged to grasp at the banister to keep from falling and knowing that such excessive agitation would be remarked she seated herself upon the stairs until she felt composed enough to enter the parlour fortunately mabel was alone and so absorbed in the fortunes of uncle true and little Gertie as scarcely to notice Lena at all once indeed as she sat before the grate so motionless and still mabel looked up and observing how white she was asked what was the matter a bad headache answered Lena at the same time announcing her intention of retiring alone in her room her feelings gave way and none save those who like her have suffered can conceive of her anguish as prostrate upon the floor she lay her long silken curls falling about her white face which looked ghastly and haggard by the moonlight that fell softly about her as if to soothe her woe what is it she cried aloud this dark mystery which i cannot explain The next moment she thought of mr graham he could explain it he must explain it she would go to him the next day asking him what it meant she felt sure that he could make it plain for suspicious as matters looked she exculpated him from any wrong intention toward her still she could not sleep and when the gray morning light crept in it found her too much exhausted to rise for several days she kept her room carefully attended by mabel and her grandmother who at the first intimation of her illness hastened down to nurse her every day did lena ask of mr douglas if mr graham had been in the city saying that the first time he came she wished to see him days however went by and nothing was seen or heard of him until at last john junior who visited her daily casually informed her that mr graham had been unexpectedly called away to south carolina a distant relative of his had died bequeathing him a large property which made it necessary for him to go there immediately so without waiting for the return of his wife he had started off leaving woodlawn alone gone to south carolina exclaimed lena when will he return nobody knows he's away from home more than half the time just as i should be if mrs graham were my wife answered john junior at the same time playfully remarking that lena need not look so blank as it was not durward who had gone so far for an instant lena resolved to tell him everything and ask him what to do but knowing how impetuous he was when at all excited she finally decided to keep her own secret determining however to write to mr graham as soon as she was able just before john junior left her she called him to her side asking him if he would do her the favor of seeing that vesta was sent back to woodlawn as she did not wish for her any longer what the plague is that for has mother been raising a row asked john junior and Lena replied no no your mother has nothing to do with it i only want vesta taken home i cannot at present tell you why but i have a good reason and sometime perhaps i'll explain you'll do it won't you with the determination of questioning durward as to what had happened john junior promised and when mrs graham and her son returned from louisville they found vesta safely stabled with their other horses while the saddle with its tiny slipper hung upon a beam and seemingly looked down with reproach upon durward who turned away with a bitter pang as he thought of the morning when he first took it to maple grove the next day was dark and rainy precluding all outdoor exercise and weary sad and spiritless durward repaired to the library where for an hour or more he sat musing dreamily of the past of the morning years ago when he first met the little girl who had since grown so strongly into his love and over whom so dark a shadow had fallen a heavy knock at the door and in a moment john junior appeared with dripping garments and a slightly scowling face there was a faint resemblance between him and lena manifest in the soft curling hair and dark lustrous eyes durward had observed it before he thought of it now and glad to see any one who bore the least resemblance to her he started up exclaiming why livingstone the very one of all the world i am glad to see John made no reply, but shaking the raindrops from his overcoat, which he carelessly threw upon the floor, he took a chair opposite the grate and looking Durwood fully in the face said, I've come over, Belmont, to ask you a few plain, unvarnished questions, which I believe you will answer truthfully. Am I right? Certainly, sir. Go on, was Durwood's reply. Well, then, to begin, are you and Lena engaged? No, sir. Have you been engaged? No, sir. Do you ever expect to be engaged? no sir have you quarrelled no sir do you know why she wished to have vesta sent home i suppose i do will you tell me no sir said durward determined for lena's sake that no one should wring from him the secret john junior arose jammed both hands into his pockets walked to the window made faces at the weather walked back to the grate made faces at that kicked it and then turning to durward said there's the old nick to pay somewhere nothing from durward who only felt bound to answer direct questions i tell you there's the old nick to pay somewhere continued john raising his voice i knew it all the while lena was sick i read it in her face when i told her mr graham had gone south a faint sickness gathered around durward's heart and john junior proceeded she wouldn't tell me and i've come to you for information will you give it to me no sir said durward the nature of our trouble is known only to ourselves and one other individual and i shall never divulge the secret is that other individual my mother no sir is it cad no sir had they any agency in the matter none whatever that i know of then i'm on the wrong track and may as well go home said john junior starting for the door where he stopped while he added if belmont i ever do hear of your having misled me in this matter he did not finish the sentence in words but playfully producing a revolver he departed the next moment he was dashing across the lawn the mud flying in every direction and himself thinking how useless it was to try to unravel a love quarrel in the meantime lena waited impatiently for an answer to the letter which she had sent to mr graham but day after day glided by and still no tidings came at last as if everything had conspired against her she heard that he was lying dangerously ill of a fever at havana whither he had gone in quest of an individual whose presence was necessary in the settlement of the estate the letter which brought this intelligence to mrs graham also contained a request that she would come to him immediately and within a few days after its receipt she started for cuba together with jerward who went without again seeing Lena. they found him better than they expected the danger was past but he was still too weak to move himself and the physician said it would be many weeks ere he was able to travel this rather pleased mrs graham than otherwise she was fond of change and had often desired to visit havana so now that she was there she made the best of it and for once in her life enacted the part of a faithful affectionate wife often during the intervals of mental aberration mr graham spoke of helena imploring her forgiveness for his leaving her so long and promising to return sometimes he spoke of her as being dead and in piteous accents he would ask of durward to bring him back his beautiful lena who was sleeping far away among the new england mountains one day when the servant as usual came in with their letters he brought one directed to mr graham which had been forwarded from charleston and which bore the postmarks of several places it having been sent hither and thither ere it reached its place of destination it was mailed at frankfort kentucky and in the superscription durward readily recognized the handwriting of lena worse and worse thought he now fully assured of her worthlessness for a moment he felt tempted to break the seal but from this act he instinctively shrank thinking that whatever it might contain it was not for him to read it but what should he do with it must he give it to his mother who already had as much as she could bear no twas not best for her to know aught about it and as the surest means of preventing its doing further trouble he destroyed it burned it to ashes repenting the next moment of the deed wishing he had read it and feeling not that he had wronged the dead as his mother did when she'd burned the chestnut curl but as if he had done a wrong to Lena. in the course of two months he went back to woodlawn leaving his father and mother to travel leisurely from place to place as the still feeble state of the former would admit Lena, who had returned from frankfort trembled lest he should come to maple grove but he seemed equally desirous of avoiding a meeting and after lingering about woodlawn for several days he suddenly departed for louisville where for a time we leave him while we follow the fortunes of others connected with our story twenty four john junior and mabel time and absence had gradually softened john junior's feelings toward nelly she was not married to mr wilbur possibly she never would be and if on her return to america he found her the same he would lose no time in seeing her and if possible secure her to himself she was the tenor of his thoughts as on one bright morning in june he took his way to lexington whither he was going on business for his father before leaving the city he rode down to the depot as was his usual custom reaching there just as the cars bound for frankfort were rolling away upon the platform of the rear car stood an acquaintance of his who called out Hello, livingstone have you heard the news news no what news asked john junior following after the fast-moving train bob wilbur and nellie douglas are married screamed the young man who having really heard of mr wilbur's marriage supposed it must of course be with nellie john junior had no doubt of it and for a moment his heart fainted beneath the sudden blow but he was not one to yield long to despair and soon recovering from the first shock he raved in uncontrollable fury denouncing nelly as worthless fickle and good for nothing mentally wishing her much joy with her husband who in the same breath he hoped would break his confounded neck and ending his tirade by solemnly vowing to offer himself to the first girl he met whether black or white full of this resolution he put spurs to firelock and sped away over the turnpike looking neither to the right nor the left lest a chance should offer for the fulfillment of his vow it was the dusk of evening when he reached home and giving his horse into the care of a servant he walked with rapid strides into the parlor starting back as he saw mabel ross who for a few days past had been visiting at maple grove there's no backing out thought he it's my destiny and i'll meet it like a man nelly's spited me and i'll let her know how good it feels mabel said he advancing toward her will you marry me say yes or no quick this was not quite the kind of wooing which mabel had expected Twas not what she read of in novels but then it was in keeping with the rest of john junior's conduct and very frankly and naturally she answered yes very well said he beginning to feel better already and turning to leave the room very well you fix the day and arrange it all yourself only let it be very soon for now i've made up my mind i'm in a mighty hurry mabel laughed and hardly knowing whether he were in earnest or not asked if she should speak to the minister too yes no said he just tell mother and she'll fix it all right will you and he walked away feeling nothing thinking nothing except that he was engaged engaged the very idea seemed to add new dignity to him while it invested mabel with a charm she had not hitherto possessed john junior liked everything that belonged to him exclusively and mabel now was his his wife she would be and when next he met her in the drawing-room his manner toward her was unusually kind attracting the attention of his mother who wondered at the change one after another the family retired until there was no one left in the parlor except mabel and mrs livingstone who as her husband chanced to be absent had invited her young visitor to share her room when they were alone mabel with many blushes and a few tears told of all that had occurred except indeed of john junior's manner of proposing which she thought best not to confide to a third person eagerly mrs livingstone listened mentally congratulating herself upon the completion of her plan without her further interference wondering the while how it had been so suddenly brought about and half trembling lest it should prove a failure after all so when mabel spoke of john junior's wish that the marriage should be consummated immediately she replied certainly by all means there is no necessity for delay you can marry at once and get ready afterwards it is now the last of june i had thought of going to saratoga in july and a bride is just the thing to give eclat to our party but answered mabel who hardly fancied a wedding without all the usual preparations which she felt she should enjoy so much i cannot think of being married until october when nelly perhaps will be here Nellie's return was what Mrs. Livingstone dreaded, and very ingeniously she set herself at work to put aside Mabel's objections, succeeding so far that the young girl promised compliance with whatever she should think proper. The next morning, as John Jr. was passing through the hall, she called him into her room, delicately broaching the subject of his engagement, saying she knew he could not help loving a girl possessed of so many excellent qualities as Mabel Ross. Very patiently John Jr. heard her until she came to speak of love. Then, in much louder tones, the newly engaged men are apt to speak of their betrothed. He exclaimed, "Love, fudge! If you think I'm marrying Mabel for love, you are greatly mistaken. I like her, but love is out of the question." "Pray, what are you marrying her for? Her property?" "Property," repeated John with a sneer. "I've seen the effect of marrying for property, and I trust I'm not despicable enough to try it for myself." "No, madam, I'm not marrying her for money." but despite Nellie douglas if you must know the reason i've loved her as i shall never again love womankind but she cheated me she's married to robert wilbur and now i've too much spirit to have her think i care if she can marry so can i she isn't the only girl in the world and when i heard what she had done i vowed i'd offer myself to the first female i saw as good or bad luck would have it twas mabel who you know said yes of course for i verily believe she likes me far better than i deserve what kind of husband i shall make the lord only knows but i'm in for it my word is passed and the sooner you get us tied together the better but for heaven's sake don't go to making a great parade mabel has no particular home she's here now and why not let the ceremony take place here but fix it to suit yourselves only don't let me hear you talking about it for fear i'll get sick of the whole thing this was exactly what mrs livingstone desired she had the day before been to frankfort herself learning from mrs atkins of mr wilbur's marriage with the english girl she knew her son was deceived and it was highly necessary that he should continue so she felt sure that neither her daughters mabel nor lena knew of mr wilbur's marriage and she resolved they should not it was summer and as many of their city friends had left frankfort for places of fashionable resort they received but few calls and by keeping them at home until the wedding was over she trusted that all would be safe in that quarter durward too was fortunately absent so she only had to deal with mabel and john junior the first of these she approached very carefully casually telling her of mr wilbur's marriage and then hastily adding but pray don't speak of it to any one as there are special reasons why it should not at present be discussed sometime i may tell you the reason mabel wondered why so small a matter should be a secret but mrs livingstone had requested her to keep silence and that was a sufficient reason why she should do so the next step was to win her consent for the ceremony to take place there and in the course of three weeks saying that it was her son's wish but on this point she found more difficulty than she had anticipated for mabel shrank from being married at the house of his father it didn't look right said she and she knew mr douglas would not object to having it there mrs livingstone knew so too but there was too much danger in such an arrangement and she replied of course not if you request it but will it be quite proper for you to ask him to be at all that trouble when nelly is gone and there is no one at home to superintend so after a time mabel was convinced thinking though how differently everything was turning out from what she expected three weeks from that night was fixed upon for the bridal to which but few were to be invited for mrs livingstone did not wish to call forth remark everything should be done quietly and in order she said and then when autumn came she would give a splendid party in honour of the bride mr douglas when told of the coming event by mrs livingstone who would trust no one else expressed much surprise saying he greatly preferred that the ceremony should take place at his own house of course returned the oily-tongued woman of course you had but even a small wedding party is a vast amount of trouble and in nelly's absence you would be disturbed were she here i would not say a word but now i insist upon having it my own way and indeed i think my claim upon mabel is the strongest silenced but not quite convinced mr douglas said no more thinking meanwhile that if he only could afford it mabel should have a wedding worthy of her but he could not he was poor, and hence Mrs. Livingstone's arguments prevailed the more easily. Fortunately for her, John Junior manifested no inclination to go out at all. A kind of torpor seemed to have settled upon him, and day after day he remained at home, sometimes in a deep study in his own room, and sometimes sitting in the parlor, where his very unlover like deportment frequently brought tears to Mabel's eyes, while Carrie loudly denounced him as the most clownish fellow she ever saw. I hope you'll train him, Mabel said she for he needs it he ought to have had Nellie douglas she's a match for him why didn't you have her john with a face dark as night he angrily requested carrie to mind her own business saying he was fully competent to take charge of himself without the interference of either wife or sister oh what if he should look and talk so to me thought mabel shuddering as a dim foreboding of her sad future came over her lena who understood john junior better than any one else saw that all was not right she knew how much he had loved nelly she believed he loved her still and why should he marry another she could not tell and as he withheld his confidence from her appearing unusually moody and cross she dared not approach him at last having an idea of what she wanted and willing to give her a chance he one day when they were alone abruptly asked her what she thought of his choice if you ask me what i think of mabel said she i answer that i esteem her very highly and the more i know her the better i love her still i never thought she would be your wife ah indeed never thought she would hey answered john beginning to grow crusty and elevating his feet to the top of the mantel you see now what thought did but what is your objection to her nothing nothing returned Lena. "'Mabel is amiable, gentle, and confiding, and will try to be a good wife.' "'What the deuce are you grumbling for, then?' interrupted John Jr. "'Do you want me yourself? "'If you do, just say the word, and it shall be done. "'I'm bound to be married, and I'd sooner have you than anybody else. "'Come, what do you say?' Lena smiled while she disclaimed any intention toward her cousin, "'who, resuming the position which in his excitement he had slightly changed, continued— I have always dealt fairly with you, Lena, and now I tell you truly, I have no particular love for Mabel, although I intend making her my wife and heartily wish she was so now. Lena started and clasping John's arm exclaimed, Marry Mabel and not love her. You cannot be in earnest. You will not do her so great a wrong. You shall not. I don't know how you'll help it unless you meddle with what does not concern you, said John. I am doing her no wrong. I never told her I loved her never acted as though i did and if she is content to have me on such terms it's nobody's business she loves me half to death and if the old adage be true that love begets love i shall learn to love her and when i do i'll let you know so saying the young man shook down his pants which had become disarranged and walked away leaving Lena to wonder what course she had better pursue once she resolved on telling mabel all that had passed between them but the next moment convinced her that as he had said she would be meddling so she decided to say nothing silently hoping that affairs would turn out better than she feared it was mabel's wish that Lena and anna should be her bridesmaids durward and malcolm officiating as groomsmen and as mr belmont was away she wrote to him requesting his attendance but saying she had not yet mentioned the subject to Lena painful as was the task of being thus associated with lena durward felt that to refuse might occasion much remark so he wrote to mabel that he would comply with her request provided miss rivers were willing of course she's willing said mabel to herself at the same time running with the letter to lena who to her utter astonishment not only refused outright but also declined giving any particular reason for her doing so carrie will suit him much better than i said she but unfortunately carrie who chanced to be present half hidden in the recess of a window indignantly declined going jack at a pinch with any one so mabel was obliged to content herself with anna and mr ebert but here a new difficulty arose for mrs livingstone declared that the latter should not be invited and anna in a fit of anger insisted that if he were not good enough to be present neither was she and she should accordingly remain in her own room poor mabel burst into tears and when a few moments afterward john junior appeared asking what ailed her she hid her face in his bosom and sobbed like a child then frightened at her own temerity for he gave her no answering caress she lifted up her head while with a quizzical expression john junior said so ho meb seems to me you've taken to crying on my jacket a little in advance but what's the matter in a few words, Mabel told him how everything went wrong, how neither Lena, Carrie, nor Anna would be her bridesmaids, and how Anna wouldn't see her married because Malcolm was not invited. "I can manage that," said John Junior. "Mister Everett shall be invited." So just shut up crying, for if there's anything I detest, it is a woman snivelling. And he walked off, thinking he had begun just as he meant to hold out. End of chapters twenty-three and twenty-four.